Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to Slamfire Radio, episode 170 for September 2nd, 2016. I am one of your hosts, Trevor the Frilatte. And I'm one of your other hosts, Kelly the Classy One. And I'm Adriel Michaud. Uh, so Adriel's not going with the hunting gear guy <laughs> in game this week. So, all right, cool. Frosty, why don't you tell us what you did in guns? Oh, uh, preparing for hunting season is really what I'm doing. Nice. Uh, our hunting season here starts today, September 1st. Uh, and I think I can go out and do uh, gross with my bow, and I think I'm going to do that this weekend. But I also got a, a TKT3. It arrived. came in the mail from uh, Elwood Epps. It's a 30-odd-6. Uh, I got it for six ninety nine, I think, which yeah. I think is a good price for those. Uh, you know, if you go back a couple of years, the Tikas were, were going Oh, my son. Six ninety. Yeah, six ninety nine for a Tika T3? Yeah. Yes, you done fine. Yeah, well, it's because they've got the new T3Xs coming in, so they're they're trying to sell the old stock, old stock with bunny ears on it, uh, of, of the uh, Tika T3. So I thought it was a great deal, uh, six ninety nine for that. And then I went and bought some rings for it, <laughs> and I went for the Optilock rings, the ones that use like the dovetail and the little locating pin and all that kind of thing. Mm. I I thought I was looking on Cabela's and I was like, oh, they've got the Optilock rings system for uh, one nineteen. Well, that's that's expensive, but it's not the worst. That's just for the rings. That's not for the rings and the bases. Wow. So the, the rings are 120 bucks. Oh. The bases the bases are 75. So I paid $200 for rings and wow. bases. Some people don't spend that on their glass. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I I guess I got no excuse for this one cuz the glass I'm putting on is a $1200 Citron S3 6-24, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But the gun's really nice. The, <laughs> the, uh, the bolt's really nice. I really like how lightweight the mag is. It's just a single stack, three-round deal. You don't really need any more for hunting deer. Oh, uh, stop it. <laughs> Hunt deer with a full-capacity 30-round mag if I could. Well, tell me what I need for hunting. Sorry, carry on. Sorry. Isn't, some of us, some of us are, uh, some of us are better aim than others. But <laughs> oh. uh, you know, if, if you need the full capacity thirty round mag, by all means, I need I one. <laughs> Kelly, were you saying something intelligent? No, I was just saying it. No, okay, got, go ahead, yeah, Adrian. Well, no, I was saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> got you there. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> go ahead. He's the hunting gear guy. He's going to tell us what to hunt with. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, don't don't pigeonhole me. <laughs> don't put me in your box of capacity. I had a lot of sugar. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adriel. Uh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, I like it. Initial initial reaction, I like it. I mean, I've I've hunted with them before, uh, but it's been a while. So oh, I think the last time I was hunting with one of those was like 10, 12 years ago, kind of thing. So back you know the the, the interesting that thing that I find with the Tico is that it was one of the first like really common. Uh, uh, polymer stocked rifles that came out 
and a lot of people back then were uh, uh, you know, saying it's garbage because it's got this plastic stock and really what you need is a, a really good wood stocked rifle. But, uh, you look at hunting rifles these days and those wood stocked rifles are few and far between. And usually they're on the premium models that people are, are paying a little bit more on because they want, uh, they want that look and feel of a, of a wood rifle. Cause you know, Palmer's, Palmer's good. It's durable, easy to use. Anyways, I, yeah, I, I put the Optilock rings and bases on that uh, on that rifle. They're Can you, beefy. Sorry, Adriel, yeah, talk yeah. to me about these rings, this Optilock magic of which you speak at uh, $200. Um, you know, wh- why? I'm still burned. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still burned. Why are they $200? I mean, I, I bought some, some expensive rings in my time. I bought all steel rings and, you know, um, I'm of the opinion when it comes to rings that they need to be constructed a good material, they need to be precise, but they need to be simple because I don't want something loosening up or moving or not being set correctly. So what? it sounds to me like there's a lot of moving parts in these rings. Uh, what are the benefits? There's not too many moving parts. So one of the, 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 one of the things that Tika does, because I don't know, they're European, is instead of just doing like a, a drilled and tapped base, like a normal uh, uh, weaver base that a North American rifle would have, they have a, a rail along the top, or a, a, a dovetail, rather. I believe it's a, I think it's 11 millimeters. Don't quote me on that. It's some weird European thing that no one else has. Uh, so your your options on bases are somewhat limited. The loophole's got like a, a more inexpensive one, but I was reading online and some people were saying that it uses like this one screw as its bearing surface and it's really tiny, so don't bother. Uh, the Optilock bases are built to work on that rail on that uh, on that dove, that 11 millimeter dovetail and again i don't know if it's 11 i'm just pulling that number out of my butt i'm pretty sure it is but um so they they go on that dovetail they they clamp onto it and they've they're using like some beefy hardware to clamp onto that they've got this nice big torx head uh bolt and you can really crank down on that thing so you've got some good clamping pressure sideways on the rail the other thing that they use um, on the Sacco and on the Tika rifles is that they use a, a, a pin that goes down from the bases into this hole that's milled into the top of the receiver. And that's almost like a recoil lug so that the, the bases are bearing against that. So they're, they're, they're not going to go anywhere. We'll put it that way. Mm. Uh, now, I've seen other uh, rings and bases sets, like a really nice tactical, let's say rings and base set will be $200 plus. Uh, you'll, you'll see a lot of those really nicely machined ones will be like, uh, two, $300. Like even if you want like a a 20 MOA base for a lot of rifles that can usually set you back by about a hundred bucks. So it's not, it's not totally absurd to be selling rings and bases for $200. It's just, it seems a bit absurd to me for a hunting rifle is all. It's 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 kind of like overkill, right? Nah, let's see. I disagree with that. I think that a hunting rifle, like I, I for example, I'm going to be rolling quote unquote match grade ammo for my hunting rifle, right? I, I don't know why people think that. Well, it's okay to have a larger margin of error or a less accurate setup on a hunting rifle. I take shooting game way more seriously than shooting paper, so. Uh, I don't think it's overkill for your hunting rifle. I think your hunting rifle is the is the platform that you should invest the most in because you're actually trying to um, ethically harvest game with it. And the more advantage you can have on your side uh, with regards to a precision setup, I say I say have at her. Well, I I 
I kind of agree with you, but like, what what distance are you shooting a deer from typically in in New Brunswick? Like a hundred well, yards. Well, we're not just talking about me at a hundred. We're talking about anybody anywhere should put as much into it as they can. And and I would still set, you know, even if I didn't get a shot past two fifty, I'd still want that rifle capable of shooting an elk at seven hundred. And if I could shoot an elk at seven hundred, well, then I know I've got a really forgiving setup at two fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still of the opinion that two hundred dollars spaces and rings, even as solid as they are, are, are a bit overkill compared to like a, a loophole base and ring set for uh you know, for a savage axis or something like that, right? Like I don't yeah. think I'm I don't think I'm gaining anything with this, but I agree. It's... I I think I think uh I don't think you're getting anything. You may you may be getting peace of mind that they're not gonna move, but I mean just I've never had scope rings move. I mean, I use a a torque really? wrench, yeah. Use a torque wrench and blue Loctite. Okay. Yeah, if you use a torque wrench and blue Loctite, you're good to go. There is, it's, uh-huh. it's not going to move. Now, if you if you don't and you just kind of put them on there after a couple of wobbly pops, yeah, your you know <laughs> your scope or your base might move. <laughs> no one else has done that, right? Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> not on my own rifles. <laughs> Someone else's. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the base of this thing. Now, um, the base to the ring interface, in my opinion, is goofy. It uses one Torx bolt through the bottom of the base into the base of the ring. Yeah, so there's I don't no... like that two part thing. That's what uh, I'm, I'm looking at. The Moncabellas here. Kelly uh, sent us a link, and yeah. uh, 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 it's just too many moving parts for me, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's again, that's a beefy bolt as well. So blue Loctite torque it right, right down. Um, it's, it's not going to move. I'll, I'll put it that way with that, with that Loctite on there and with it torqued down, it's not going to move. All right. Now, one of the cool things that's, that's on these rings, that's also on the, the Burris Z signature rings is they've got these plastic inserts that kind of mm-hmm. go around the scope. I like that because, uh, that's exactly, that's exactly why I bought those Burris rings is, um, as I'm reviewing lots of rifles and I need to move scopes in between rifles, it's nice to be able to not put marks on them. And most ring sets, just the standard steel rings, when you snap them onto the scope and uh, torque them down, they will like leave an imprint on there and they'll, they'll peel off a little bit of the bluing, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So the plastic inserts don't do that. Um, maybe they help like the scope kind of like settle in place and they don't, they don't, uh, uh, they're not as sensitive to them being, uh, oh, what do you call it? Like when, when one ring isn't quite aligned with the other one and, and it ends up torquing the scope. Yeah. That's why you got to lapse, lap stuff, especially the cheap stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Put your, put your, put your, uh, your rings on and your tops and lap them and get rid of those high spots that may cause the scope to not be perfectly centered within the rings. Mm-hmm. Or Use the plastic method, right? I mean, one of the things... Yeah, that'll have the give, right? It'll absorb, yeah. Yeah, so I I like that bit. Um, But again, yeah, so like when you're mounting the base to the ring, you are setting square on it. You Because the ring can move, there's no like, there's no little nubs of metal or anything to keep it uh, even with the base. You put it on a piece, like on the table, you push hard down on the ring and push hard down on the base, and that's level, so... I don't know if I really like that either, but it's got that plastic bit in there, so that should give it some uh, some give uh, one way or the other. Um, when I put my scope in there, it didn't. Uh, normally, when you're if, if you're gonna uh, torque down a scope and it's it, it's uneven, you'll see a gap or you'll you'll uh, you'll see some differences in in uh, torquing it down. But eh, it was it was fine on this scope. So 
I don't know. That's the uh, that's the the Tico or Saco uh, Optilock system. So they're really expensive. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I made the good the, the the right move on there, spending two hundred dollars on a ring and base combo. Sorry, Kelly, go ahead. I w- I had a look while you were chatting and seeing what other ones were out there, and yeah, one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty was pretty much average. There were some really cheap ones though, but most of them were around one hundred and fifty to two hundred bucks. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I was reading about some of those other rings and bases, and the the consensus on them wasn't very good. Like they, yeah, just, yeah, didn't have My. the right clamping pressure on. Some guy apparently in Alberta is modifying some other ring and base sets. Uh, I think the tallies to uh, to better fit the tikas uh, and offer a, a cheaper solution. But I don't know if that's <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> I'm a, you know what? I'm a fan of the Weaver Grand Slam steel rings. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they're steel and they're, you know, pretty precisely made. I lap them and, uh, they're only 50 bucks, mm-hmm. but they need to be lapped. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I like steel rings if I can, if I can, uh, swing them. I'm also a fan of Burris. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, those cool. are all good. Anyways, yeah, so that's what I did. Mounted that up. Uh, I bought some some ammo for it, just a, a couple of different kinds. I mean, 30 out 6, I'm going to be shooting uh, my deer at somewhere between 100 and 400. So I went for some 160s, and that, sh- that should do the trick. I got a couple of different kinds of boxes, so I'll I'll shoot the Tika and, and see what it likes uh, and what it shoots accurately. It's guaranteed for one I'm away for three round groups, so I don't know. It should it should do well with one of those. Um, that's the Tika. This weekend I might go hunting some grouse. I don't know. I'm gonna, it's it's my buddy's birthday, so I'm gonna head out to his place and maybe take my bow. And uh, uh, I've got some of those like judo tip. Uh, uh, judo tips that have the little like spring lever uh, things that help keep the arrow from going in under the grass. So if you, if, if you shoot uh, at a grouse or whatever and it's on the ground and you shoot it with just a field point, the arrow will go like really even with the ground and it'll like sneak in underneath the grass and it'll be impossible to find because it'll be so low to the ground. But what these uh, spring deals do is they kind of catch as that uh, arrow head hits the ground and they flip the arrow over so typically if you shoot at a grouse and you miss you'll just find your arrow kind of laying not underneath a whole bunch of grass so i like the i like those too uh i always carry a couple of those in my quiver even if i'm going deer hunting because sometimes you come across a grouse and you know the season's aligned so uh, I might go do that this weekend. That's a that's a really nice, relaxing hunt. You just kind of like walk around, walk along, and if you come across a grouse, great. If you don't, well, I mean, you're just walking in the woods, and it's not too particularly cold or anything like that. The, you're taking uh, a Matthew. <laughs> taking your bow for a walk. Um, the judo points do better at keeping your arrow out of the grass than they do on an animal. If you were to hit a uh, grouse in the guts, have you hit a, a grouse in the guts with one of those? They don't. Uh, they don't fly so good after you do that. <laughs> well, it's because you you just rip open the animal to heck. If you hit a rabbit with them, it just rips it open all the heck. My preferred method is a um, a field point on the arrow and a rubber blunt that goes over top. You can also get rubber blunts that screw in instead of the field point. You take the field point out and you screw in the rubber blunt, and the rubber blunt has about the surface area of a nickel. So when it hits the ground, it uh, it doesn't dig in like the hooks mm-hmm. on the judo point. 
um, it'll skip around and stuff, but it still won't slide its way under the grass like a field point. I was at Andy Shan's uh, for the Nationals and again for the Ipswich Provincials, and we were shooting his bow at his 3D deer. And the first time, um, having never shot his bow, I misjudged which pin to use, and I sent an arrow right over top, and luckily Muffin found it. But sure enough, just like you described, they they just bury themselves under the ground like a torpedo under the surface of the water, and then good luck finding them. So the blunt, the rubber blunt, is going to allow the arrow to travel further than a judo point will, but it will keep it on the surface, and it won't rip through the animal and bust it all up. You hit a partridge, it's going to stun it. You go over and you finish it off. You hit a rabbit in the in the back legs or the shoulders or whatever, in the ribs, oh, it's going to just do all kinds of internal damage, but it's not going to actually break the surface and make a mess of the animal. Oh, that's a cool idea. I might, uh, might need, well, I like the, I like the judo points cause they fit my quiver too, but, uh, Oh, the blunts know. will, the blunts just, Holder? yeah. It, depending on, on whether the keeper for the arrow is kind of tight around the shaft, they'll just, the, the rubber blunts will just stick up against the foam on the top of the quiver. Um, I hit a bear with one once. There was a small bear came in my first, my first bear actually, um, back in 2007, black bear came in, wasn't a big guy. So he was hanging around, hanging around. Danny's like, well, hit him in the butt with a blunt and get him out of here. And maybe something bigger will come around. I'm like, fine, fine. I'll hit him. And if he comes back, then I'll, I'll hit him with a broadhead. So when I drew down, I kind of took my eyes off him when I was drawing him. And I brought the bow back on the, on the bear. I just picked a spot on the black. Like I couldn't, I couldn't really distinguish what I was aiming at. I just knew I was aiming at the bear itself. Uh, and I thought I was aiming at his back leg, but I was aiming at his front leg. And I basically hit him in the bicep. So he came back within like 10 minutes, and I hit him with a broadhead, and he went like 15 yards and piled up and did the death moan stuff. When we skinned him, he had a welt on his bicep muscle that looked like a ping pong ball of purple pain. <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, it didn't break any bones or anything. It was 65 pounds with 125 grain uh, point with the rubber over top. Just wham. Well, you wouldn't believe the damage to his muscle. It was something to see, like a bruise from the inside of the skin. (laughs) Well, that'll work on a a grouse. Oh, definitely. Mm, Yes. I think think I'll have to try some some of these. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? No, I mean the the other thing. I'm not quite sure if uh, if geese and ducks are in season just yet, but I'm going to check that after the show here. And if they are, I might bring my shotgun out this weekend too. Cool. Yeah. What what uh, what about you, Trevor? Uh, I uh, first thing I, I was supposed to talk about this last weekend. One of Filthy's buddies blackmailed me, and you know why would I be talking about this? Well, it is unfortunately mm-hmm. it is unfortunately gun related. Um, Filthy has a friend who. Uh, first name only, first name is Mike, uh, somebody who was just getting back into shooting and, uh, nice guy. I've, I've shot with him before at Filthy's range. So I locked myself out of Filthy's house and if it wouldn't have been for somebody needing to use the bathroom, this blackmail wouldn't have went ahead. But Filthy says, we'll call Mike and see if Mike has a key so you can get back in because I left my cell phone inside. So Mike comes over and he says, uh, I don't know how much Filthy told you about me, but I can be a bit of a... Oh, I forget what word he used. We'll say a-hole. He says, uh, I'm going to let you in the house, but not until you do something for me. And you have to believe me when I tell you, you're either going to do this or I'm going to get back in my Jeep and drive away. 
And he re- you could really, really tell that he was actually legitimately going to do this, right? My, my wife had to use the bathroom. He did not care. Okay, what's the deal, Mike? Come with me. So he takes a rifle case out of the back of his car and brings me to the back of Filthy's house. He's like, don't worry. People in this neighborhood are gun-friendly. This isn't going to be a problem. They see guns here all the time. He says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pose for a picture with the rifle in this case, or I'm not letting you in the house. You're going to give me a big thumbs up, and you're going to like it. So he opens the case, and lo and behold, there is an SKS. Oh, God. <laughs> not just any SKS, Kelly. An SKS wrapped in Tapco. Oh, God. <laughs> not, just, not just any Tapco. Olive drab Tapco. Nice. Yeah, not nice at all. So he pulls this thing out, and I got to stand there with a grin on my face and, my, and, a, and a thumb up. I vomited when I was done. Anyway, yeah, so thanks for that, uh, Mike. But you know what? The picture hasn't come out yet, and I'm a little afraid. I have a feeling that it's going to end up on a card or a poster because I know Filthy's going to get in on this. I still think Filthy put him up to it, but it's hard to say. Anyway, so that was I thought the listeners may enjoy hearing about my misery. Um, and then uh, after last week's show, the next day I left for Nova Scotia to shoot the Ipsic Provincials. And I've been going down there. This is my third or fourth year, and I finished in third place this time, which is which is yeah. Thank you very That's much. Awesome. Yeah, my best finish at the Nova Scotia Provincials. My first year there, I finished fifth. Then I finished fourth, and now this year I finished third. Um, I was having a real good match on the first day. I shot the first day clean, no penalties, no mics, and my stage plans went the way I wanted them to. Uh, could have been a little faster, but I had no fumbles. I had no like, oh man, my plan fell apart. I had to, I had to go into survival mode. Everything went as well as I could have hoped for on the first day. On the second day, I, I didn't party the night before or anything. We were, we weren't eating well. And the next day, I felt awful, like I was on the range, literally thinking I was going to be sick. And uh, I, I drank five bottles of water before the match even started to try and like flush whatever was in my. Well, we did eat a smoked bologna, right? So I mean, smoke. Mm. You know, it was bologna, which is always good once every couple of years. And then you, <laughs> you put it on a smoker, right? I got a kick of Lorette. Lorette had bologna with his breakfast at the big stop. He bought a bologna sandwich. Knowing we were going home to smoke bologna for supper. Now, in fairness to Lorette, he didn't eat the bologna sandwich, but he did bite knowing we were having bologna for supper. So, poor guy, he got picked on all weekend. And he's such a nice guy, he never gets picked on, but he took it like a champ. Um, so, yeah, anyway, the next day, of course, I'm thinking, no mics, no penalties, no mics, no penalties. First stage of the day, mic number one. Ugh. Well, it's all right. Everybody gets one once in a while. Not a big deal. Shake it off, move on, right? Focus on what you're doing good. So the rest of the day, um, everything still went well, but not as well as day one. And my last stage of the day, unfortunately, I had another mic. Um, but I'm getting to the point now in, in my Ipsic shooting career, quote-unquote, where I'm starting to learn the finer points of the game, like which target to start on when you're going when you're leaving the shooting position so that you can maximize your efficiency of movement, which target to end on. Um, for example, I had never heard this before. I can't believe I'd never heard this before. I can't believe I, anyway, whatever. Um, I'm still new in a lot of ways, I guess. Never leave on steel. So that means if you have a, a target array or a shooting position 
with steel, get the steel down first, then shoot your paper and leaf so that you never accidentally leave a steel up thinking that you hit it, right? Shoot at them, knock them down, shoot your paper, and then you can then you know if they're all down. Make sure they're down before you leave by starting with them, not ending with them. Um, something else, too. There was a um, three paper at one distance and three steel poppers in a row at a much further distance, and they would take a while to fall. So some shooters, novice or intermediate shooters, would draw and then shoot the steel. Bang, wait for it to fall. Bang, wait for it to fall. Bang, wait for it to fall. And then shoot their paper. Well, I was really paying attention to what the stronger shooters were doing, and they would shoot a steel and then go to a paper. And then by the time they were done shooting the paper, the steel was out of the way. They go to the other steel, shoot it, go to the other paper, go back to the last steel, go back to the last paper. Their times were half half as long as, as the other shooters that shot all the steel first or shot all the paper first. So always learning, watching, and, I, and I'm and i finally getting comfortable enough with the top shooters down there where I, I'll ask them questions. How would you do this? How would you do that? And I don't, you know, when I was just, just new and really, really wanted to ask them questions, I didn't want to because I didn't have a rapport with them yet. So I'm more comfortable with those guys now, and, and I started to actually ask them questions to try and help get better. And, uh, and they, they seemed happy to help. So that was kind of cool. Um, so overall for the entire match, I only had two misses. And so that got me into the top three. And then I found out after the match that if I wouldn't have had those two misses, I would have had second place. So whatever. I'm still, it was a, it was a nice, I took a month off and came back and uh, put a new holster on my belt and uh, same same make and model, just new. So we had to set that up. But everything went good. Everything went good. I was really, really happy. Uh, shot well. Taking a break is not a bad idea once in a while. And the provincials are um, a week from this weekend. So it was nice to get a, a large match in before the provincials to get a, get a bit of a tune-up. And then... Um, well, I don't know what day it was, but someday, one day this week, my Trojan arrived, and um, we talked about it last week. If you go to Freedom Ventures right now, this gun is uh, by the time it's fifteen hundred dollars if you buy it in forty-five. If you order it in nine mil, it's an additional three hundred and some dollars. So it's like an eighteen hundred dollar gun. I thought the gun was maybe older. Nope, it's a twenty fifteen. And uh, it was uh, sold on commission. So the guy basically said, this is what I want for it. And Calgary's shooting center said, well, this is what we charge. And he agreed. And I got it for $600 plus tax. And there's like not a mark on it. And maybe 100 rounds through it. Like there was sold like nowhere on the inside to to speak of. The original case, the the price tag on the case is $1,160. couldn't like so it's a 1911 and you shot it yes i shot it did you fall in love with it no um (laughs) i like the circumference of the grip but the the bore axis and the kind of the way my hands my support hand fits on the along the side of the frame i'm not really a fan of how 1911s fit my hand I'm, i'm i'm just not um, my 2011 was, was a little different because it had a thumb rest on it. Um, the grip angle was the same, but it was a double stack. 
I don't know what to attribute the difference to, but it's not as comfortable as my 2011 was. But it's still comfortable, and I mean, I could get used to it. Uh, luckily, I don't have to get used to it. It's just a gun to add to my collection. When I go teach black badge now, I'll be able to say, this is a production gun, this is a standard gun, this is a classic gun, this is a revolver, they don't matter. Um, you know, I'll have everything but an open gun to to just to show the students how to black badge. So it's for R and D, right? It's for black badge purposes. It's for every reason you can think of, other than well, maybe I wanted one. Mm-hmm. It, it came to me. I didn't go to it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you need a, an open gun for your to show your students, just put a magazine in your front pocket. <laughs> oh my God! Just Sorry, as I took Mo. a mouthful of beer. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, man. I hope Jonathan Price is listening. Actually, I don't. That's funny. Oh, man. That's funny. Sorry, Mo. Too soon. Anyway. Oh, so I took it. Thank you, Adriel. I I took it to the range. It shoots very accurately, uh, both with 124 or 147 grain ammo. I also finally got around to testing X-Metal Target uh, ammunition. Now, they sponsored me, and they'll send me Actually, my project, my X-Mental Target projectiles are on the way as part of my sponsorship deal with them, which is awesome. I hope I get them in time to load them up for the Nash, for the provincials. If not, Snuffleupagus lent me 400 rounds. Um, nice. Yeah. So, which I got to go chronograph to make sure it makes power factor. It's kind of sad, actually. It's uh, Ronnie DeGroote's ammunition. Um, his family sold off his firearms and all that stuff. And uh, John bought all of Ronnie's old ammo, so... Part of me doesn't want to shoot it, actually. But anyway, um, so I took it to the range, and it's very accurate. Um, I shot a uh, squirrel's target with a squirrel's friend's rifleman challenge target with it, but I didn't get all in there, so I didn't bother taking a picture of it. It's all or nothing. Um, And I shot 200 rounds through it without a single malfunction of any kind. It came with three magazines. Two are Kimber, and one is the actual STI. Um, unfortunately, both are only ten or nine round magazines, so I was always having to top up the gun to get it to ten. But anyway, I was really surprised that there wasn't a single solitary malfunction, and I uh, fired factory ammo through it, reloaded one twenty four factory one fifteen, reloaded one twenty four grain and experimental target one forty seven grain, and it ate everything I threw into it and uh, never hiccuped oh. once. I thought the cichlid rate was very slow. Maybe it's got a heavy recoil spring in it, but it seemed to cycle very slowly. But maybe it's because I don't shoot 9mm all that often compared to just coming off of a match with my 40. And I was shooting my 40 that day more than anything else. And, of course, it cycles pretty good because my ammunition is loaded hot, even for Ipsic. It's like almost 190 power factor, but it only has to be 170. So, anyway. Uh, What else? I renewed my RPAL online. So, if you haven't done this before... um, it was super easy and super quick. If you have a spouse, you need to have your spouse handy because they have to type their name into the computer. Before, your spouse would actually physically sign your application. Yeah. Now they just type their name and check off a little check that says, yes, this is me or whatever. And you have to include their telephone number or, well, I mean, usually it's the same host number, but we included Christina's cell phone number in case the RCMP want to call her and go, okay, he renewed online. Do you know he renewed online? Did you sign the application yourself? That sort of thing. Uh, I'm thinking maybe they'll add that step to the online renewal process because it's not a live signature. So I thought that was a little, hmm. 
I saw that they've been the RCMP has been promoting it. If you have to renew it, renew it online. It's easy peasy. So what about the what about the picture part of it? They give you the instructions for the just like the dimensions. I mean, it's a passport picture, right? Yeah. So they tell you what the dimensions are. Um, got a couple of pictures taken on my cell phone, and I didn't crop them or anything. I just uploaded it. So I oh okay. Yeah, I don't know if they crop it or what. I, I you know, stuck my ugly head in the middle of the frame, <laughs> and and I sent it. So and they accepted your money. They accepted my money, and they accepted the picture, and I've heard nothing back. What a surprise! There's not even like you have to give your email address. They don't even send you like a confirmation email saying, "All right, we got it." Right. So, but you yeah. do get a confirmation number though that you write down on a piece of paper. And then you lose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which I promptly <laughs> did. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. That's it for me. What about you, Kelly? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah. So form six. I haven't heard anything yet. Usually they've been really good. The ATF is pretty good. Uh, I hadn't heard anything as of yesterday, so I called them. So I was talking to this nice guy, Ryan, and he said, "Yeah, I uh, looks by the number that is on your your pal, I or your R pal. I would have processed you." He said, "But I get so many of them, and yeah, I don't remember. It's off to data, so you have to wait." And I'm going, "Well, did you approve it or not?" And he goes, "Don't know." He said, "You'll get an email in the next couple of days." So, uh, and I said, "I am leaving." to go to Ohio and then, you know, next week. And he goes, yeah, you do know it's supposed to be six to eight weeks. I said, but you guys are awesome. She's usually in the next day. And he goes, yeah, no, we're, yeah, we got too many. So hmm. I don't know if my form six is going to go through. If it doesn't go through, I still have the form six for March and I can use that and just bring what I have. But I really wanted to bring my pistol. So anyways, uh, but yeah, ATF, they're a little swamped. So you're not totally hooped. You just couldn't get it updated with the pistol. Yeah. So exactly. car- carry one of Stacy's. You know what? That's what I can do. Yeah. There's there's going to be lots of things I can actually carry and shoot down there, anyways. Because okay. You know, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to send you guys no, pictures, don't. and I'm going to send Nobody you guys wants, a no. list of everything that I'm shooting. You don't care. And yeah. We anyways. don't care. Look, <laughs> I open carried before it was cool to open carry. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Did you double open carry? Stop it. With an AR as well? <sighs> no. Well, you can't. You're all just a bunch of one-uppers. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> um, I also went to SFRC. Yeah, I just needed my fix. They don't have really anything new in there. They got a lot of SKSs. That, did you see that? No one cares. They're SKS yeah. beats. <laughs> God, did, yeah. you, did you get one of the $89 uh, NEA lowers? No. Seems like didn't. they do that once a year. Yeah, they do. But we did get a um, one of the damaged ARs, uh, lowers for, it had like a little nick on the side of it. It was 69 bucks. Nice. Yeah, I saw those come through. That was yeah. a wicked deal. Yeah, 69 bucks, and it had SFRC on it, and it had, uh, you know, the safety, you know, fire, not fire, safety switch. Anyways, it has a little Canadian flag emblem. Oh, it's select. really, I know, selector. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, pew, so yeah, no pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew. It, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool though. So got that. Uh, we went to the range on Sunday, and I shot uh, Kevin's Sig P two fifty. I hadn't shot it before, and yeah, I actually like it. And I shot the squirrels rifleman challenge as well, and it did pretty good. I I submitted it. I didn't get them all in, but they were close enough to touch, so it was pretty good. And the other thing that we 
we took out was the ACR. You guys knew that uh, we were getting the barrel changed out on it, right? Yes, getting it. Um, yeah, you're getting it done at SFRC by yeah. the gunsmithing guy who went to school with Kowalski. Correct, Dave. Not only the Dave. Who's, not only who's, is Dave who's my buddy. Uh, right. Oh, your buddy right. from work. Right. So not yeah. only not only is Dave a gunsmith, Dave is a verifier, so he can do the job and then verify it as non-restricted. Correct. Amazing. So actually, it was Ryan who verified it, so it oh, is whatever. verified, and it's non-restricted now, so it took it out to the range to try and zero everything in, and it, yeah, it was, it looked like crap. What do you mean it looked like crap? The group or the rifle? The grouping looked like crap. Oh. Uh, the, the rifle looks beautiful. Um, mm. but yeah, the grouping looks really not great. Like, oh, no. uh, we couldn't even get it on paper at first. And then, uh, a two foot by two foot target, we were able to get it onto paper, but it was on one side of it. Like one, you know, we hit on one side, hit on another, um, you know, two over whatever. Um, so is it, yeah. is it an actual ACR barrel or is yeah. it, an, so it's okay. It's not like some. Chinese reproduction nope. knockoff barrel. It's an actual ACR barrel. Yep. Huh. So yeah, yeah. It uh, yeah. So grouping, a foot and a half. <laughs> wow. Now let's go back to this um, turning a restricted into a non-restricted. Okay. So for the listeners who don't know what verifying means, uh, do you want to touch on that? Okay. So yeah. So if you're going to change, well, originally it came in. The ACR had a shorter barrel on it. So, so it was restricted. Restricted. And the dis- Kevin's decision was to put a, a longer barrel on it because of the fact that, you know what, just in case, he wanted to make it non-restricted. Okay. Uh, so, but what, what do you mean by verifying? So what happens is you can take it and get a gunsmith to do it, and they do it, and then there's another person that has the credentials with the RCMP and the CFO. They will have a look at it and verify that the changes have been made, the changes are legal, and they match everything up, and then they send that information. They give you a certificate that you send to the to uh, the RCMP, and they will register as, well, they'll say, they'll take it off as as. Um, restricted. They'll say that it's not restricted. They'll verify it. So the verifier provides you with a document that then yes. you have to send to the RCMP? Uh, no, the verifier actually sends the information to the RCMP and they get confirmation back and then they give you that. But oh, they you do- get confirmation that they have yeah. uh, contacted the RCMP and advised them that this serial numbered firearm is no longer restricted? Correct. Excellent. So you keep that with you in case whatever, whatever. Okay. Correct. All right, so we got through that, and then the rifle didn't group well. No. And what are the theories? Mm, don't know. Might be the barrel. Um, we're thinking it's probably the barrel. You know, the the thoughts were maybe it needed to be fouled, but you know, yes. after yeah. after fifty rounds, we were at fifty, and it still wasn't any better. And then, well, maybe a hundred, but we're still thinking it's the barrel. The barrel looks clean. The barrel looks good. Don't mm. know. Interesting. Yeah. Where did he get the barrel from? Uh, I don't know who he got it from. So he's going to go back to them and see if maybe there's some other issues that they can think of as well. I wonder if anybody else in Canada has done this that he can talk to. Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, there's there's a guy at my uh, at my range who rebarreled his ACR. Do you know him personally? No, I just I don't know personally. But I mean, right. it, like it's possible, and he wasn't shooting two foot groups. He was shooting. 
uh, like three foot, an inch and a half, two inch kind of thing, right? <laughs> and we're talking at a hundred yards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's quite the yeah, that's group. the benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> So when you're talking about a foot and a half, you're yeah. Uh, no, that's not the, good. Was, I don't know. Was the barrel loose? Like, is it was the bar- I don't even know if an ACR uses a barrel nut, but it was a barrel nut loose. Like, this yeah, there has to be something really. Dirt. Not even the crown is going to throw off your your rounds yeah. in a two foot group. So yeah, something's got to be like not tight or just not right on that thing. I, I ask ask Kowalski to go into the school's files and mm-hmm. get Dave's grades on rebarreling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Dave was absent that day, or he failed the exam. Yeah, no, we were thinking that too. Maybe the barrels loose, and it wasn't. Anyways, don't know. Anybody had any great ideas? It could be also- a bad barrel. That's just, yeah. you know what I mean. McClatchy had some issues with his. Um, we you know we know from these pars that some of them are quite uh, quite sensitive. Ask Adriel, the one that he's been shooting. Is it lo- loves one ammo, doesn't love the other types of ammo. We had that thing grouping just like McClatchy's in Edmonton, didn't we, Adriel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my buddy had purchased some other ammo for it, and uh, it didn't like that ammo. <laughs> nope, sure didn't. It liked some really weird, obscure projectile. Yeah, SMB 150, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a trunketed uh, or a semi-wad cutter yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Anything That's else? It. That's it? Nope. All right. Yep. Okay, Adriel, will you take the first uh, upcoming event, please? Rick Woods is teaching an urban pistol course in Barrie, Ontario on September 17th. Do you want me to do a couple of these? I can do yep. a couple. All right. The Practical Shooters of Canada is proud to announce the first Canadian Precision Rifle Series match to happen at the 4th Canadian Division Training Centre just outside of Meaford, Ontario. Uh, the Meaford Long Range Steel Challenge will be from September 2nd through 4th, so get your tickets right now if you want to go to that. They're probably already sold out. Uh, the 2016 Algonquin Cup will be taking place at the Eagle Lake Gun Club in Sunridge, Ontario, September 18th. Uh, Valkyrie Defense has a counter ambush concepts course in Battle Creek, Michigan on October 9th. And we have a link for that. That'll be under main.valkyriedefensegroup.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Brands let us know that the Appleseed Project is having an Appleseed in Coshocton, uh, Ohio, September 10th to 11th, 2016. And Handgun Fundamentals 1 and 2 by a bunch of yahoos will be taught uh, (laughs) July 15th and 16th in 2017 in Alberta. And you can just email uh, slamfireradio at gmail.com to get signed up for that. Why don't you take up the ticket from here? It's going fast as well. There's... uh, I'd say that it's more than half filled. Yeah. You've been kind of monitoring the emails as well. You would agree. Yeah. Well, All right. <laughs> it's nice to, uh, it's nice to get a course like so fully signed up a year in advance. Yep. It sure is. Um, next is the, and this one's right around the corner kids and we need people to start signing up and, um, and sending some money in so far. Big shout out to Chad. The first person to sign up officially and pay is coming all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. Woo-hoo. Adriel, do you know anyone else who lives in Edmonton, Alberta? <laughs> you live in Edmonton, Alberta. I shoot with Chad. He's actually uh, south of Edmonton here. Uh, I shoot uh, three-gun with him. Know him really well. Awesome. So yeah. Chad's definitely in. The class is being put on by Dave Young. Go back and listen to last week's show if you're not familiar with Dave. Dave, he is essentially Canada's Masadiub. The course that we'll be taking with Dave is called Use of Force. It's a two-day class. It's $400 for both days. 
the class is 70% theory dealing with the um, when to shoot, not how to shoot. 30% of the class is practical, and we're actually going to have a video simulator with, um, he. what did he say? He doesn't like to call it scenarios, but it's your gun, it's your ammo on his video simulator. So you're actually shooting at targets on a video screen, when to shoot, when not to shoot, that sort of thing. I think he described uh-huh. it as uh, as Call of Duty with real guns. No, no, I don't think he said that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'd, I'd bet my Glock 19 that he didn't say that. Um, the course will take place uh, at the Restigush Gun Club in Restigush, New Brunswick on October 15th and 16th. Deadline to register is October 1st. There's a minimum of 12 students required up to a maximum of 15. One person is paid, but six people have committed to come so far. So Snuffleupagus, uh, the most payday, just saying. <laughs> Contact Slamfire Radio to register um, <laughs> and go shoot. <laughs> Who put that in? It's not about Matthew and Trevor. It's never about Matthew and Trevor. It's about the listeners. Contact mm-hmm. Slamfire Radio to register. I'm sending you a never mind. All right, and this final one comes to us from Andrew Vincent, one of the hosts over at the Canadian Patriot Podcast. Ragnarok, Reg, Reg, oh, he's going to kill me. Ragnarok? Yeah. How do I not know how he pronounces his own company name? Ragnar, man. It's okay. Say it with me. (laughs) Lanyard. (laughs) Lanyard. Ragnarok. I thought you actually had to mute there for a second. Ragnarok Tactical <laughs> will present a carbine operator course at Guelph Rod and Gun Club in Guelph, Ontario on October 15th, 2016. The course fee is $176.99 plus tax. Course link will be in the show notes. So if you want more information about Andrew or um, the courses that he's teaching, head on over to the Canadian Patriot Podcast and uh, and give them a listen. They should have episode 41 coming out today probably um news who's who put this first one in well most of these were user submitted but uh, i can take this first one perfect uh, this one's from richard d who is also one of our patreon supporters uh-huh. uh, a 28 year old regina male has firearms charges and on an october court date as a result of an incident this afternoon in which a shotgun was accidentally discharged Police were dispatched after 12.30 p.m. on Monday, August 29, 2016, to a house on the 600 block of East College Avenue after a report of a weapons offense. Police learned that a shot, that shotgun was discharged from inside a residence, damaging the house and a car parked in front of the house. Because of Oops. the presence of a firearm, officers took up positions nearby while the communications center advised the caller that any occupants of the house should exit with hands visible and empty. The only occupant of the house, a male, exited the house and was taken into custody without further incident. Police entered the house and secured the weapon. As a result of the investigation, it's alleged that the male was practicing loading the shotgun when it went off. The house and vehicle showed extensive damage from the discharge of buckshot. Ah, can't be that extensive. (laughs) Fortunately, no one was hurt in this incident. It's not known at this time if the shotgun discharge caused other property damage, blah, 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 blah. Uh, If you're going to reload your shotgun in your house, buy some dummies. Brownells has like a 25-round box of dummy shells that you can get, and they say dummy on them, and they're colored differently. Or, you know, make your own from some shotgun shells that look very, very different than anything you ever would use because... Uh, you should not be practicing loading your shotgun with live ammunition. 
that's or get Adriel to 3D print you some. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet for 3D printing no? some shotgun shells. It's mm-hmm. too easy to. So I, I go to the, I go to the range and I find some weird shotgun shell color that I never shoot, and uh, I just use those. So I, I make up some dummy shotgun shells from that. You you put some wadding in the bottom of them. You put some uh, some weight towards the front so they've they've got the the same balance as a regular shotgun shell. And uh, and then hot glue that weight in there. Boom, you're done. There's there's your dummy shot shells. As long as, um, as long as they're very different looking than what you typically use for hunting or target shooting or whatever, it's fine. Mm. Okay. Do you want me to take the next one? Yes. Okay. So this was sent in uh, by one of our listeners as well, James James Burke. Uh, he sent this in, and it was in reg- it's a Globe and Mail. Um, column and there's theories on basically why um, gun violence is increasing on the street Uh, they basically said that uh, there's a couple of things that are going on they're noticing that uh, it's called the Ferguson effect Um, basically the police are backing off or or away from uh, proactively uh, policing um, basically based on the, the stuff that for example, yeah, they're, they're, happened down in Ferguson, right? Yeah, they're afraid that if they, if a black cop shoots a black guy with a stolen mm. black gun, that people will burn stuff. Exactly, right. So they call it the carding uh, effect. Then there's also guns on the street. Uh, they believe that obviously that there's more guns, more gun crime that's happening on the street. It's basically guns, uh, possession of illegal guns are being used. Um, and we can see that obviously this is happening in the Toronto um, lower income areas and that as well. Uh, and uh, they say that two-thirds of the guns used in crimes in Canada can be traced back to the United States. And these are the these are illegal guns as well. That's good. So. They're not stealing our guns. They're smuggling in guns. Absolutely. So that means safe storage laws work. Get off my back. <laughs> um, they said that actually border agents uh, mainly crossings along uh, southern Ontario seized 261 firearms from April 1st, 2015 to uh, January 25th, 2016. Do you imagine what would happen if they put some more um, people or on those crossings and that and stepped it up just a little bit? Yeah, they would just slow down traffic. <laughs> okay, but maybe they might increase some and get off our backs. What do you uh, think? Maybe. Okay. Um, the other theory that they have is habits of gang members. And, uh, yeah. So what they're saying is that uh, gang members are becoming a little bit more brazen. They're going out into the communities and they're, yeah, they just... Uh, they can they'll shoot they'll shoot at anybody it's bystanders are getting hurt in the process and that as well so you know uh, why why because an unarmed society is not a polite society you're yeah if 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 all of a sudden they shot at somebody and three three civilians non-gang members shot back it would probably you know it's it's like i've said uh, many times before why don't police stations get attacked Somebody will go shoot up a school. Where all the guns are. That's right. You go shoot up a school or a movie theater because the people there don't shoot back. If you go shoot up a police station, you will get shot at. If bad guys got shot at once in a while, well, the police station effect would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that they said is, so one of the people in Jamestown, he was complaining. He said, kids are kids. And I'm going to do air quotes around this, by the way. Air quotes, kids doing stupid things and not thinking about the consequences, thinking that they're cool. 
Um, yeah, when they're gang members and they're shooting into enemies, yeah, it's not doing stupid things. Anyways, just yeah. saying. Doing stupid things is jumping your BMX over your neighbor's car without a helmet. Exactly. Which, as I told the police officer, <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> or was that the emergency room doctor? I can't remember. The whole thing is kind of blurry. Yeah. All right. We ready for the next one? Yeah. Sure. Uh, this one, uh, again from James, the Kodiak RCMP. So the Kodiak RCMP or the RCMP in Moncton, New Brunswick. Kodiak RCMP has arrested a man for allegedly carrying a replica handgun on Sunday in downtown Moncton. Staff Sergeant Eric LaRose said police received a report from witnesses about a young man with a handgun around 11 a.m. The police arrested a suspect matching the description in the Champlain Mall parking lot near the Swiss Chalet. Of course, this is written for people in Moncton because everybody knows exactly where that Champlain Mall parking lot near the Swiss Chalet. Moncton's big, but apparently it's not that big when you can use that as references in a news story. No one was injured during the arrest, he said. That's because the guy was carrying an airsoft gun. LaRose said the suspect was arrested with what appeared to be an airsoft gun in his pants. Airsoft guns are replica guns used to fire non-metallic pellets. Um, he said the man is under arrest and charges are pending, including for, including for, possession, for possessing a weapon. So this goes back to um, when they passed a law recently that if you use a pellet gun in mm-hmm. conjunction with a in a crime it will be treated like you used an actual firearm remember this a couple of months back when everybody all of a sudden thought they had to start locking up their air rifles because they were being treated like real guns yep. and that was just if they were using a crime uh, wrong suspect arrested larose said police initially arrested a suspect at the corner of mechanic and main street but after further investigation it turned out to be the wrong person just another meathead with an airsoft gun apparently <laughs> That suspect was interviewed and released a few minutes later. At the time, on Main Street, we didn't have that many people reported. A bicycle wearing a black hoodie, he said. This is a quote. At that time on Main Street, we didn't have that many people reported on a bicycle wearing a black hoodie, he said. So obviously the suspect was reported to be on a bicycle wearing a black hoodie. And unfortunately for him, he was fitting the description, and that's why the members took all the precautions and arrested that suspect, LaRose said. And actually, there was just uh, an incident on Monday where the RCMP had the traffic circle. I can say the traffic circle because there was only one. Um, Shut down, and they were standing out there on patrol with their carbines. So uh, this Fredericton story... What's this Ferguson story? That was the shooting that was last week. Okay. Uh, Oh, it's a week old. Never mind. Let's move on. That was, yeah, the McCoy guy. All right. Um, Okay. Main topic. So for this week, we, um, even though Luke Giroux has been quite critical of this decision, (laughs) and I want to remind Luke that his opinion doesn't matter. However, um, his opinion was that, what? You're asking for a main topic idea during hunting season? Just so you know, Luke, we discussed it, and we decided it was a week too early for hunting. So, shut up. Um, what we, <laughs> you can leave that in. It'll be fine. Uh, so, we asked the listeners uh, to have one of our famous, and by 
our famous. I mean, we stole this bit from the gun dudes who probably stole it from somebody else. So you post your questions on Facebook, and it's uh, one of those fast fire. We read it, we answer it, and we move on. Uh-huh. So, Kelly, let's have the first one, and one of us jump in and answer it. Okay, so from Benny Lewis, he said, can you push the feeding lips of the 45 mag to hold the 9mm in both practical and legal sense? And I guess while we're on, on the topic, what constitu- constitutes manufacturing of a new mag? Can you use the... Can you use the a plug? Uh, so, uh, can you use a plug like device similar to what they use in hunting shotguns to limit pistols and rifle mags? Okay, um, you're not supposed to modify a mag so that it will hold more capacity. Uh, if a magazine can hold more capacity without being modified and will work in another firearm, that's all fine. Um, but you can't modify the magazine to hold more capacity. Uh, and then can you use a plug-like device? I've seen them. I don't know that they're legal. Um, the law says that it can be pinned. You'd have to go back and actually read the wording of the law. Um, not the RCMP bulletin. I'm talking the actual, uh, criminal code that deals with, um, firearms capacity or firearms magazine capacity. Uh, I had the piece they once. They can't be temporarily plugged. You can temporarily plug a shotgun. Uh, yes, you, you can't you can't plug a handgun uh, temporarily magazine. No, it's got to be a permanent. Has to be. Uh, you have to involve the use of tools to take it out. So. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. Next, Kelly. Okay, so Benny actually had a secondary question. He said, "Trevor, is there any reason to use a youth bow?" Um, Besides. Besides, yes, besides uh, being cheap. And what problem would someone have using one as a full-size person? Okay, so in a nutshell, um, there's no problem using a youth-size bow if it fits you. But a youth bow does not always mean a inexpensive bow. You're better off to get a bow that is used in second hand that fits you than to try and save money buying a youth bow that will not fit. You can't shoot a bow that doesn't fit you, just like you can't go play hockey with skates that are two or three sizes too small. It uh-huh. just doesn't work like that. Yeah. He said he's just trying to find a cheap way to feel like Robin Hood. Yeah, then go get a second-hand bow. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Second-hand. Yeah. Uh, okay, so from Brian, Brian Truscott, he said, Hey, Trevor, when are you buying an SKS? Uh, on the 7th of Never. <laughs> okay. And uh, Trevor should look at an M1917, same ammo as the Grand. Uh, that's from Mark McLean. I don't know what that is. Moving on. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, Pierre, Luke, he said, Trevor owns a Grand and a couple of Enfields. It's only a matter of time until an SKS uh, finds its home at Trevor's. That being said, my question is, uh, ATI, Tapco, or Archangel? Oh, for the love of God. It would be Matador Arms. So <laughs> that's, that's you, good. you failed, yeah. Yeah, they, we just gave one of those away. Yeah, well, we're trying to. I need to I need to look up his address and mail it to him, but at least we know where it's going now. Um, yeah, the Matador Arms chassis is the only chassis that's ever made me want to have an SKS. In its original configuration, I don't I, I, I don't like anything about them, about how they look, how they feel. Of course, the uh, length of pull is ridiculously short. I think they were made for small Korean children, not full-size Korean men or women. <laughs> and um, so no ATI, no TAPCO, no Archangel. 
put it in a um, matador arms or bust. Okay. Well, Nathan, he followed up and said uh, Tapco, but you have to get a pure stock for it, adapter for it. Yeah, so he's referring to the crappy products that Ryan Pierce makes at "quote unquote" <laughs> Pierce Industries. The same guy who said, "Can somebody let me? So- no, can somebody give me money to buy a Magpul stock so I can test this crappy piece of molded thing that I made that I I want to sell to use with a PRS stock, even though I don't own a PRS stock. I've never tested this product with a PRS stock because you guys are too smart to buy me a PRS stock, but I'm not smart enough to not ask. Move on. Mm. Okay." So I hope Brian you're happy, Nathan. <laughs> from Brian Sheets, he says, uh, Brian, is Brian Sheets really that short? Not when standing next to a Noopaloompa. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And I said, compared to what? It's all relative, right? When he's standing right beside uh, Jay, he Everyone's short next to Jay. <laughs> exactly. Or Red. Exactly. Or uh, Stephen Casey. Uh, oh, we haven't met Stephen. Uh, he so. was here for the Daniel Shaw course. Mm-hmm. He's an he Paul. He makes uh, he's probably up there with Red and Sticks. He's bigger than Jay, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Sticks is the only guy I know looked at Muffin and said, "I thought you'd be bigger." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna All call right. you Muffin. Speaking of Sticks, he uh, he just wrote and said, "I just want to give y'all a five star review and two squirrel nuts." So uh, yeah, can you add that to the end there? Two squirrel nuts. Yeah, and a five star review. <laughs> Uh, we also have one from Thomas uh, Bryant, who, who Mr. Uzi, we know him. Uh, moisture seems to have infiltrated the foam in my pistol case. How uh, can I easily remove the surface, rough off, surface rust off of Steyr? Uh, I thought they weren't supposed to rust. The poly coat on my uh, CZ-75 uh, has been impervious for the last 10 years. Mm, wire brush? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there's all kinds of ways to do it easily. You didn't say without damage, Thomas. I think he doesn't want damage. Grinder. Oh. Grinder. <laughs> That'll get that rust right off. <laughs> yeah, uh, those those foam cases are like don't leave your don't leave guns and and I, the only reason I can say this is cuz I've done it, but don't leave guns in a foam case for more than uh, for more than the day you're transporting it because they'll rust. They'll I'll rust be right inside back. that foam those foam cases. I got to go take a gun out of a foam case. <laughs> Have you guys ever put uh, those um, uh, those little beads, the silica the silica gel beads, in with your? I put it in my safe, in in my uh, in my gun safe because my gun safe <laughs> is sealed. But inside those foam cases, like it, it kind of seals around the gun. The foam seals against itself. So if <laughs> there's any moisture, or if the gun was cold and they put it in, and it gets condensation, like yeah, that you'll get rust on the barrel or or uh, right. action or receiver or something like that, right? That's true. I was just thinking ahead of time, you know, throwing one in. Yeah, I'm curious to just see to keep if it out of there. Trevor's got a rusty gun now. I hope not. It's my 44 Magnum. Isn't there a, isn't there something, uh, whether it's a paste or anything that you can put it on? Well, I cover it in oil, but still, yeah. I mean, the foam, the foam is, is a no, sponge. No, I'm talking, uh, talking about to remove the rust. Oh. Um, That's not going to actually cause damage still. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a matte finish. It's I mean, it's just dire. Uh, I would go at it with an abrasive cloth, but still a cloth and some ballastol. Okay. Um, yeah, oil and cloth is what I would do. If yeah. just to just to get whatever uh, you can get out with just rubbing it, kind of a thing. 
uh-huh. uh, before going to something a little bit more extreme. I mean, you have to get it off though. So you have to get it off. And if it's in the metal, it's in the metal. You got to take it off and then put a, a blue or cold blue or something like that on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luke Giroux said, seriously, it's hunting season. You guys are asking for topics. I thought it was hilarious. Anyways. I'll talk about hunting next weekend if, if or next week if uh, if I got anything this weekend. You know what? And what we did in guns, you guys already really talked about it quite a bit, didn't you? Yeah, we did. The, the grouse hunting? So yeah. there, there, yeah. there, Luke. We already talked about it a little bit. Boom. Done. <laughs> Jason Phelps, he says, why does Trevor hate the woods so much? What's What's he compensating for? All right. We'll try this again. I don't hate wood. For example, I'm holding my 1975 Smith & Wesson Model 29-2, which has wood grips. And I wouldn't change this gun for the world. I would never put anything on it other than another set of original wood grips. Wood is okay on the right gun. I've got a 30-30. I've got a model, uh, a Savage Model 99 in 300 Savage. Just like you don't put black plastic on a 30-30, it don't put wood on an AR. Now, as a rule, I prefer modern firearms over um, more conventional, older firearms. I prefer plastic over wood on my modern hunting rifles, but some guns look good in their original configuration with wood the way they were designed to, to look. So it's not that I hate wood. I just discriminate against it. <laughs> no rust on my 44, by the way. No rust. Good. All right. Jeff Young, he posted, why does, uh, why does there continue to be so many who purport to be hardcore gunnies who've yet to join even one of our national organizations when we're all should be a member of each and every one? Uh, do people not realize that what's inevitably coming, most likely in two to three years or four-year terms? Thank you. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of like quote unquote like normal or, or regular gunnies out there just aren't aren't aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if if you're not really really paying attention, he didn't say regular. Yeah, but he didn't say regular gunnies. He said he said hor- hardcore. hardcore gunnies. So the guys that are online, the guys that are club presidents, the guys that are shooting matches every week he's talking about those guys i know who you're talking about adriel mm-hmm. the average gun owner is uninformed but he's thought he said hardcore gunnings well i so, think the the, the ccfr was going to hit both of them eventually because they're they're doing a more media savvy yeah uh, kind of push right so they're right. gonna they're gonna get access to those people sooner than uh some of the other orgs have because they're the, the other orgs um like what do you what do you see and if, if you're not really looking hard what do you see from the other orgs I don't have anything. There's nothing at my range. My range uh, newsletter doesn't say anything about any of the other orgs. Um, okay, so but where do you see it? Why don't Why don't hardcore gunnies that would go that know they exist? Why aren't they joining? Um, do you want my opinion? Yeah, we'll get everybody's opinion. Okay, so hardcore gunnies uh, until it's actually affecting you. Nobody does anything, or not nobody does anything. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, no, I've I think been on those are the fuds. Well, yeah, those are the fuds. You know, they're not coming from my shotgun, so I'm not joining. Right, but they're also the ones that saying, you know, it's okay for you know you to limit the 1022 capacity, right? Mm. Because it's not affecting me. Like I have my shotgun and or my uh, rifle, and I can go hunting with it. I'm think I think that the hardcore people 
don't think that maybe there's somebody or an organization that's out there to protect their rights or what they want. Maybe that's one. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you. I think, though, the hardcore gunnies, some of them feel that the organizations aren't hardcore enough. We oh, got yeah. we got some of those guys to sign up with the no compromise movement, right? Mm-hmm. Then we just have the battle of egos. Well, I don't like the president of this association because he supports oh, licensing. God. I don't like this guy because he's a dictator. I don't like this guy because everything is being done in the background, right? They some of them are just cheap bastards too, Jeff. That the, the don't speak. They vote with their dollars. Sure, hardcore gunnies, and they got all the answers, but they sit behind their keyboard. Yeah. Right? You're not being effective. You're like an anti-vaxxer doing research on Google. Give me a break. Right. You, you know, if you want to make a difference, truly, get involved. You can't change the team from the outside. This is why some gunnies uh, are liberals and join the Liberal Party. Because mm-hmm. if they want to get liberals to see things from our way, they know they've got to befriend them. They know they've got to educate them from the inside. They're not going to educate them with stupid memes and calling them retards. Right? No. No, and that's absolutely true. You know what? If you're going to educate people, it's what you need to do is instead of you know challenging people. And I've seen people on on forums and different things say, you know what? I pissed off a liberal today. He unfriended me, or I you know was on a group and they blocked me. Well, how is that helping the cause? Really, it's about educating. Yeah, it's perpetuating perpetuating the stereotype. Right, it happens on both sides. We have, absolutely. I mean, Tracy Wilson's out there the other day on Facebook somewhere trying to have a, an adult conversation with somebody and uh, that quote-unquote liberal uh, is just calling her names and saying you should go shoot yourself. <laughs> so yeah, it's on both that's, sides. That's not helpful right? at all, No, it's right? not. So, um, But I think, Jeff, that's why some of the hardcore gunnies don't sign up. They don't agree with the politics of any group. They find fault with uh, all of the groups and that's why they don't join up. This group is not doing this right. This group is not doing that right. And in some cases, it is actually a legitimate financial decision, and that's fine. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Because that, that's the reality for some people. But, you know, when your membership is less than a box of 30 out of six, yeah. hard, hard to not make that work. The problem is you can't afford All of them to join. And that's, yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, you can't afford not to join. Yeah, you can't. And really, quite honestly, you know, you might not like what I use or what hobby I have, um, but you probably should join anyways because, you know what, come, you know, maybe 10 years, they might be coming after your rifle as well. Yeah, the way, like, I'll fight for your shotgun. I hope you'll fight for my pistol. Yep, exactly. Okay. So we're done with that one? Um, I had one more point to, to make on it. Um, there are some, I mean, I'm a quote unquote, am I, I don't even know if I consider myself a hardcore gunny, but I'm certainly a proactive gunny. Um, I'm not a member of all of them and I'm not a member of all of them because, uh, I haven't renewed with the CSSA simply because I haven't gotten around to it. I have no beefs with them whatsoever. I support them, uh, but I'll never ever, ever give my money to anything that has anything to do with Sheldon Clare because he's an idiot and uh, he caused the downfall of the NFA. We wouldn't have the CCFR if he would let the board do its job when it came to firing Sean, uh, Sean Bevins. And then I come to find out that this was just been par for the course with this guy for years and years. So 
as long as Sheldon Clare is involved with a pro-gun org, I won't. Okay. Well, there's comments on that um, a little bit later down in the uh, the questions. So. All right. Next. Yep. All right. So Mark and Lynn, uh, they, I think it's a joint uh, account, said, sorry about the suggestions in the SKS. Uh, it's This is, suggestion is SKS related to looking at optic mounts uh, options. I've seen the ones that replace the rear dust cover and the ones that uh, connect to both the rear dust cover pin and the rear sight mount area. And more recently, the ones that just replaced the rear sight. My intention is to mount a small red dot for hunting purposes. So the, the last option is the one I think I'm most interested in but need more info. So they're looking for info on that. That is the one I would go with. If it's only going to be a red dot, then I would just remove the rear sight and put one of those uh, rails that mount in where the rear sight go because they're the most stable. And... Uh, they they don't they're nowhere near the uh, near the action, well they're near the action but they're they're forward of the action, um, but I don't know necessarily who makes them or where to buy them. Adriel, uh, yeah, there's that one. There's the uh, there's the rail deal that goes from the rear sight to the uh, to the rear uh, dust cover pin. I would do that for a scope so you get the eye relief right. But since yeah. he just wants a red dot, yeah, is it wrong to say why bother with a red dot on an SKS? Just run the irons. It I is. I mean, if you want to, if you want to run, um, if you want something slightly better than the irons, the uh, oh, what is that? High tech sites. Sells them. The tech sites. Tech sites. Yeah, a red dot's going to be faster than any kind of iron sight combination. I mean, he may have a sighting issue where he can't see the front sight anymore, mm-hmm. even even with tech sights. If he's going to use his SKS inside of a hundred yards on a white-tailed deer. Red dot's going to be fine. It's going to be fast. It's going to be accurate enough. You know, SKS accurate, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah. yeah. I think he's out, uh, out your area of the uh, or neck of the woods. So I'm I'm wondering, you know, if it's within 100 yards, I'm thinking it's going to be, he might have some more room than just 100 yards for, anyways. Well, then he shouldn't be using an SKS. No, that's where you get like a three hundred dollars Savage Axis, and you yeah. throw a scope on it, and you're yeah. you're good to four hundred, right? Comes yeah. with a scope. I'm just saying, I think he is, but if he's not, then maybe he's limited, like uh, like Trevor or I would be if we went out hunting. It could be, with, yeah, could be shooting deer or bear from a tree stand twenty five yards, SKS, yep. and a red dot would be perfect. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Dig up, stupid. All right, let's go. <laughs> question two. It comes from uh, uh, Jeff Young. It's not really a question, but it is. He it says, is a question. You... Yeah, sure. <laughs> he said, have you purchased your tickets for the uh, WPRF raffle tickets Woodstock yet? Woodstock Pistol and Rifle Club. Right. So it's 21 uh, great prizes, 21 winners, and the proceeds uh, go in support of the youth program at the range and enhancements as well. So he sent us a, a basically a picture of it so we usually um yeah we usually plug that how come yeah we plug in that i don't know maybe we should put it in and plug it he said uh we'll gladly accept your emt at w uh prc 2005 at gmail.com 2005 i think it's just 2005 I wondered if you'd notice. Well, I don't want them to go two zero and zero five. And the tickets are ten dollars. So, just saying. Cool. Go go out and support them. We should chat them up because we usually do. I'll uh, add the image to the show. Perfect. 
And Luke Giroux just giving, or sorry, Mark Giroux is just giving Luke Giroux uh, a little bit of props and support. (laughs) He says, you tell them. (laughs) Um, Sean Stevenson, he says, I uh, bought a Norenko uh, 213, basically a 9mm Tokarov. Have any of you shot one? Haven't got the registration yet, and what did you think of it? Uh, I have. I have owned many other handguns, but this. Uh, but is there any reason not to own a Norenko? I have several other 1911s and like them. So, what do you think there? You, Adriel, you shot one? Yeah, the 213 is a 9mm only uh, Tokarev, and it shoots, but the sights suck. The sights suck and the grips suck, but I mean... Uh, I, I bought mine from Canada Ammo when they were selling them for $95. They're nope. not $95 anymore. <laughs> not for $95 for a 9mm, even with a bad grip and sights, like, come on. So, yeah, it's um, still better than a high power or high point. High point, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, they're out there and, and they're they're fun to shoot. They go bang. I think if you're going to if, if you're gonna compete with it or you're going to uh, shoot a match or a course or anything like that, it's not the gun to do it with because there's no decent holsters or that kind of thing for it and trying to find extra mags for them is, is kind of a pain in the butt as well but mm. it's a it's a fun gun that goes bang every time you pull a trigger every time uh, I've, seen, I've seen tokarevs go the slides go flying out the front of the shooting uh building at filthy's range i haven't seen that oh yeah i got a picture of that so if that sks picture comes out mike your tokarev blowing apart pictures coming out just saying <laughs> Is that supposed to happen? Is my slide supposed to go out the window? Yeah. Hashtag Tokarev. What did... So his his link or the uh, pin wasn't in or something? The the pin that locks the link in came off, and then the pin came out, and then the slide went going. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been funny. It wasn't during shooting. I think it was during reassembly or something. It was spring-loaded when flying out the window. was fine. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. And uh, from Derek, uh, Data. I can't even pronounce that. Can you, Trevor? I z- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or Tula. <laughs> or Tula. I was. I could pronounce. Who makes Tula. the better SKS? Oh, the Norinco <laughs> SKSD. Come on. No, uh, Tula. Okay, because we can't pronounce the other. No, one. Tula, because Russia. Okay. What's Izhevsk? Isn't that Russian too? Sure, I don't know. <laughs> like they're both Russian. I think so too. He's asking the wrong crowd. <laughs> if one of them's, them's got a triangle with an arrow in it, and the other one's got a star or something like that. I don't know. I mean, they're, blah, blah, they're both SKSs. I don't, they're both I don't, SKSs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for Michael Bogish, I think that's how you pronounce it as yeah. well. Uh, so what happened to the NFA? I haven't heard anything about it other than bad-mouthing comments. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> I'm well, sorry. I was a field yep. officer at the time of the implosion. Um, Sean Hansen where's Sean Hansen no definitely not Sean Hansen Sean Bevins was fired directly by Sheldon Clare the board of directors felt that he overstepped his bounds and that it was the board's job to fire him Sheldon disagreed they both pled their case Um, there was a group called the R5 the Rebel 5 or something like that who was trying to take the NFA to court basically to get rid of Sheldon they lost, yeah, so they once again, Sheldon remains dictator of the NFA. Um, he thinks he's right. They think they're right. Somewhere in the middle lies the truth. I happen to side with the the, um, 
the board of directors in this case. Um, and it's my personal opinion that if Sheldon had not let his ego get in the way and had let the board fire Sean, then we would still have a functioning NFA, even if it would be under um, the dictator, Sheldon Clare. So that's what caused it all to blow up. He fired him. The board, the board would have fired him. That wasn't the issue. wasn't whether or not Sean was going to get fired. Um, he would have got fired, as far as I know, based on conversations I've had with uh, board members. And the board's beef was that um, they weren't allowed to do their jobs. Right. There was a significant divide in that. Uh, there's The NFA is still around. They're Unfortunately. Still, yeah. I got my, uh, are you going to sign up? I haven't. So, or not sign up, renew. Um, but, yeah, there's it's still around. Yep, still around. And you know what? Some people want to... Um, some people want to still be part of that organization and they're welcome too, you know? Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, as dysfunctional as it is, the NFA still wants the same things that we want. Mm-hmm. The NFA is not on the government side. They may not be um, functioning to 100% capacity. Um, they may be a little dysfunctional and you may disagree with Sheldon or Sheldon's politics, but at the end of the day, all those volunteers, the Blair Hagans and all those guys are still working for gunnies. Exactly. And you use function a lot, by the way. <laughs> Just say. There's one that there's there's one that you use <laughs> and everything. You use and everything a lot. And everything. Yeah. So you pay attention to that, listeners. And find everything. Out. Yeah. It's Okay. And everything. <laughs> let's keep going and everything. That's how you would use it. You'd be like all right, it's time to read more questions and everything. everything. Okay. And this is from Tracy Wilson, the gun goddess herself. The last, she gets the last word because it's the last message. She often gets the last word. <laughs> oh, just hold on a second. I'm going to update this to see if there is any more. Mm, no, there isn't. So she does get the last word. She oh, said some. She doesn't because there's a few that were posted directly on my wall. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but on the link. Uh, it is the last word. So Summer got a new 308 semi. It's for hunting mainly. What's your opinion on the over-under sights? So these are the uh, the see-through or the, the quick sights where you can yeah, the rings, look at the yeah. irons underneath and you can look at the scope on top. I'm against them. I think it puts the scope way too high on the firearm and gives you a funny cheek weld. If you got a scope, use a scope. You don't need you don't need it's a hunting rifle. You don't need a scope and irons. Um, I understand why they're there. But I don't think it's worth sacrificing a good cheek weld and losing accuracy while trying to use the scope. I'm of the same opinion. Like back when uh, scopes were maybe a little bit less reliable or people abused their guns a little bit more, uh, you know, having a having a scope with irons on it was was a little bit more practical. But these days, scopes are nice and reliable, and I think um, compromising on your cheek weld for the scope is the wrong way to go. If you're going to use a scope, use a scope, use nice low rings and get a good cheek weld and, uh, and just use it. Okay. I concur. Me too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So (laughs) 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 Trevor, you got a couple on your wall. Yeah. So, um, from Benjamin, he says, the best striker-fired polymer pistol. I'm conflicted between the Walther PPQ M2 and the HK VP9 and the FN FNS as my next pistol. Um, 
I've shot them all, and I've owned two of them. And although I want a Walther, when it came to keeping the HK or keeping the FN, I kept the FN. I wanted to love the HK, but I, I just couldn't do it. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, trigger is good, but it's not like super, super good. It's not as good as the Walther, that's for sure. Pistol was accurate, uh, had good features, but it was very expensive. And the magazines were $90 a piece. And uh, the, FN, the FN's not that much better. I mean, the FN's magazines are still like 75 bucks a piece. Yeah, that's true. There's no 17-round option for any of the other pistols, but there is a 17-round option for the FN. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, if you got Walther money, buy the Walther. If not, get the FN over the HK. But, I mean, that's if the FN fits you. The one thing about the HK is there's not a more adjustable pistol out there with regards to the the amount of combinations you can do between the side panels and the um, backstrap on the grip. Um, the controls are the right size and the right locations. I don't know why. I don't know. I just didn't. I did. I, did, I just didn't fall in love with it. I wanted to, but I didn't. One of the things that turned me off is a thousand dollar pistol with crap sights. They were glow in the dark sights. Give me a break. The sights. I mean, even my uh, Ruger SR9 had an adjustable rear sight for crying out loud. My seven hundred dollar. Uh, SIG P320 had legit night sights, so they cut corners on that. The ambidextrous slide relief slide release was kind of out there a little bit. Uh, it has a paddle mag release, which a lot of people can't get used to. I was able to do it with my trigger finger, but you run the risk of sliding your finger into the trigger guard. Do you want to do that? Uh, the Walther PPQ M2 uses the traditional North American uh, button on the side of the grip that you engage with your thumb. So get your hands on all if you can. If not, just go with the FN. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. Uh, Brendan Henney. 44 Magnum versus 357 Magnum and go. Uh, what are we talking about? Mean, what's the application? I've got both. There's your answer. Both. <laughs> 357 Magnum is going to give you, they're both going to give you two options. Well, three options in the 44. In the 44, the three that I know of are the 44 Magnum, the 44 Special, and the 44 Russian. And I know a guy in Ipsic who is shooting a 44 Magnum with 44 Russian brass on moon clips, and it's a sweet, soft-shooting gun, and it reloads awesome. Um, they're big. They're heavy. The 357 Magnum, you know, whether you get a, a Ruger or a Smith & Wesson, you can shoot 357 Magnum or 38s. Cheaper. Cheaper, easier to shoot. Uh, if it's Smith & Wesson, you can get spring kits for it from Jerry Michalik. Um But, you know, 44 because Dirty Harry. I don't know what else to say. If it, yeah. I think if, uh, if we could hunt with handguns here in Canada, I think the 44s would be like a lot more popular. Uh, but given that we're going to a range and back, I... I I, I think the 357 and 38 is is more I don't know practical. What are we talking about revolvers here? What's where's the practicality anyways? But mm. yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I like the same as Snuffleupagus, right? He shows up to the range one day with a 357 Magnum, and Mark Drew's like, Trevor, you got a 44, I got a 44. John, where's your 44? Well, he went out that night and he bought one. <laughs> so um, yeah, obviously the answer, Brendan, is to get both. Yes. Start with the 357 Magnum. Yeah. So, yeah. Mark Islin 
um, co-hosts over at the... You mean Mike? Yes, Mike. <laughs> I'm only on your number three, Mike. I'm sorry. Mike Islin over at the uh, Reloading Podcast says, If the 1911 sucks so badly, why did Trevor Furlot just purchase one? Well, Mike, $600. That's why. Hmm. Wow. Plus tax. Should have got one of the Norinkos. No. With, with kind of logic. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. You, know, you want to know what I'm doing with this gun? I'm turning it into a classic gun, so Lorette has a backup for the Nationals and hopefully for the World Team. You're he, a good friend. He's shooting classic. He's talking about going to the Worlds in France, and if he makes the Worlds and goes to France, he needs a backup. So he's got a Spartan, which is kind of a step down from the Trojan. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking of putting all the identical parts that he has on this gun to give him an identical backup to go with. Sure. Yeah. So I get a cool gun out of it, and he gets a backup. That's cool. Yeah. We did have somebody who responded to our post, a late, a late poster. It's Russell. Russell Close. He said, uh, what differentiates an AR pistol from an AR rifle in Canada? Nothing. <laughs> Not as far as classification is conser- considered. They're both a restricted firearm and both can only be used at a range. So after that, the differences are the same as they would be anywhere else on the planet. Buffer tube only and a short barrel. Yep. Yeah, and I think um, the uh, the pistols that we had to bring in were the RRA pistols in order to get LAR mags here in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whatever the RRAs have for uh, uh, their stock pistol, I guess, would be considered here in Canada. I don't think I don't think there's a definition because um, uh, TV Press Pass uh, uh, tried to get the VZ uh, the, pistol. the VZ pistols uh, Sorry, considered VZ. as pistols. Sorry, uh, no VZ. Yep. No Z. It's easier <laughs> to say. Less syllables. Less syllables. Uh, anyways, he tried to get that there VZ uh, pistol uh, considered as a pistol, so he could get ten round mags in, and they wouldn't take it. They said, "Nope, that was a that was a rifle." So I don't know. I don't know what they consider. <laughs> Doesn't seem to make any sense. I think it was a question about um, the uh, legality or the classification. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like what? It, like it, it, so, I think with their excuse on that one was, "Oh, this used to be a rifle, and you turned it into a pistol." But it's like, okay, but the AR-15 is the same thing, so I don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for sending us your questions. As always, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Listener feedback? We've got a lot this week. I'm not sure how we're going (laughs) to divide it up. Uh, Why don't we let Kelly take it, because, you know, ladies first and all that. Okay, it says, hey guys, new listener, just wanted to say how much I enjoyed listening to your show. Glad to hear the news, comments, interviews, and the constant banter. Uh, Keep up the good work and add one HK logo, of which there's not enough discussion to your collection. And then signed by Dan. That's it. Thanks, Dan. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Uh, What else we got? Is that it? Yep. That's the only one, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you would like to send us an email um, and you know what we haven't done yet what we haven't thrown McClatchy under the bus once no we didn't he we didn't even he men- we didn't even bother to mention that he wasn't on the show we just went on as if he quit again like he never existed <laughs> yeah apparently keeping his house warm is more important than uh, hanging out with the listeners yeah Matthew's got wood Matthew's got wood and he needs to put it in the basement. that can go so wrong <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> no, Matthews, Matthews, Matthews Wood popped up unexpectedly, and uh, he's dealing with it accordingly. Accordingly. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh. God. Uh, all right. It's time to split. Mm-hmm. And end the show. Um, if you'd like to send an email to Slamfire Radio, do so at slamfireradio.com. Please remember, uh, Caps, we need to get you signed up. So let's get on that. iTunes reviews, shout out to the Appleseed Princess for checking. Unfortunately, there were none, even though Sticks left us a five star review on Facebook. I'm not sure he understands how the whole five star review works, but he also left us a couple of squirrels' nuts. So somebody hasn't been protecting their nuts because Sticks stole two to give to us. Uh-huh. Uh, what else we got? Uh, shout outs. New Patreon supporters. Richard D., Rob B., and Thomas S. Welcome Sweet. to the club. Well, you're now part of the inner circle. When we figure out what you've earned, you'll be among the first to get it. So thank you very much. Um, they're, and they are now part of the elite group. That is Chad G., Kevin L., Ryan B., Adrian R, Rob B, and Mike R. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, Edmund from Australia, who sent us a message on Facebook with some information about Australian gun laws and and, uh, culture and whatnot. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Edmund, if you've not heard of Steve Lee yet, look him up. I like guns. Uh, For all we know, he might be in your backyard. And Rick (laughs) Katabek. Yeah. Uh, For winning the NSCC pistol portion with a what? 1911. Woohoo! Shout out to Rick. Why are you all on the 1911 bandwagon all of a sudden? Well, jeez, come on. Come on, what? Why? Why? why, why what am I coming yeah. on to? What? Hey. hey. What? He, I'm just saying, he ran it with a 1911. Uh-huh. And you're all excited about it. No, didn't I'm saying... Jam, didn't jam no. the whole way through? Oh, nobody yeah. said that. Nobody said that. <laughs> Let's not get with the... No, don't... Come I'm excited oh. about the fact that Rick, Rick won. Okay, so full stop. Rick one, congratulations. But I did have to mention it was with the 1911. And that's why. Why is it? Why all of a sudden? The, <laughs> so I'm trying to, all right. Please join one or of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSSA. It's important to support those who support us, um, even if I don't agree with their politics. doesn't mean you don't agree with their politics. So, And uh, as I said, whether you like the people working for you or not, they are all working for you. They all want the same thing, and that's to get us more rights, privileges, and freedoms with our firearms. Right. Be sure also to check us out on the Gun Owners of Canada. Um, we just did something over there with Nathan recently, registered for something. Oh, we're getting pins. We're getting right. pins or tokens or something. Yeah. Cool. They're a challenge coin, something. Maybe it's a chip from AA. No, that's a different thing. <laughs> anyway, go over and check them out. They're cool. Like us on Facebook. We're at 1,520 likes and counting. Uh, 110 thumbs up, 15 gold stars and counting. Two flukes, four manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space, an HK logo. Really? We're taking anything, aren't we? We're pathetic. (laughs) And two squirrels nuts. Thanks for that, Sticks. So um, until next week, everybody, uh, stay safe, hug your guns. Shoot safe, shoot straight, shoot often, protect your nuts, keep your barrels pointed downrange and smoking. Uh, I'm gone. Uh, what else we got? Come on, give me some other. Take it, uh, keep it classy, San Diego. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I was just going to say keep it classy. There you go. But hey. And San Diego, it means a whale's 
Or is it? No, it's a walrus. <laughs> it's a walrus's vision. We can say that, can't we? No, I don't think we can. Better mark that. Good night, everybody. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.